0: Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host,
1: Chris Voss. Uh, hi, folks. This is Voss here from the Chris Voss show.com The Chris Voss show.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. For 15 years. And uh, over 1,500 episodes, I think it is now, we've been bringing you the greatest minds on The Chris Voss Show, the most brilliant people, the people who expand your mind, knowledge, your energy. You'll have like these craniums that you'll have to order new from Amazon, the Chris Voss Show family that loves you but doesn't judge you, at least not as harshly as your dad who just looks at you and has never told you how proud he is of you. Oh, wow, I just scarred some people with bringing that back. Um, so welcome to the show, my <laughs> family, we definitely people like dude you hurt me again uh so there you go well take it up with your psychiatrist. that's what i do every friday uh and thursday and wednesday and tuesday uh anyway guys uh go to goodreads.com for chest chris voss give us five star reviews even though i just shamed you about your father uh, daughter son relationship uh go to uh linkedin uh, it was a TikTok one, Chris Foss one. I don't know. You you know the drill, boys and girls. Uh go check out all that stuff. We I'm just trying to get to the amazing mind we have in the show because I'm really excited to talk about what we have today. We're gonna talk about sales strategy, hiring dynamic sales teams, uh building great teams, etc. Cetera, et cetera. It's gonna be freaking awesome. And so we have a brilliant uh mastermind of this data, data, if you will, and author of a book. That just came out June 30th, 2023. Uh, The title of his book is called Transforming Your Sales Strategy, Hiring Dynamic Sales Teams, Building a High-Performance Sales Team Through Cultural Alignment, and Modern Hiring Practices, which is good because you don't want to be operating those 1800s world um, hiring practices. Uh, Theodore Fluck is the author, and he joins us on the show today to talk to us about his latest book, and uh, let's get into it. He is a leader of sales and marketing teams. He's emphasized creating dynamic sales strategies aligned with modern market demands, Uh, successfully mastering three fractional CRO engagements. Within eight months, he developed and implemented two strategic sales plans. These engagements also involve comprehensive CRM analysis, integration of new sales cycles, and enhanced customer experiences. His engagement with the business community includes monthly webinars and LinkedIn Live, hey, we're doing that now, presentations to hundreds of listeners, in-person presentation to CEO peer groups, and recruiting three sales directors for fractional engagements my uh i'm sorry his sales leadership is characterized by the precise identification of target markets and development of innovative pricing models to capitalize on profitable opportunities with years of experience leading sales and teams he's published several insightful books and we'll be talking about that in his latest one welcome to the show how are you sir I'm doing excellent, hopefully as well as your father says you're doing. Uh, You know, he's dead, but uh, he told me once he was proud of me uh, when I was 30, and that was the only time. (laughs) Hang on to that one. (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty much the only one I got. Uh, that's good. No, he's a great dad. He, he did his best. Uh, Theodore, give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs. Yeah, you bet it, it is.
0: Uh, it's out there, dynamicsalesteams.com. It's that easy to get a hold of me. So that's what we do. We build dynamic sales teams.
1: There you go. And uh, do you want me to refer you as Ted or Theodore through the show? Call me Ted. I'm there just, you go. Colin, yeah. Ted, one of my favorite movies, Ted, by the way. Uh, already, people are loving this over on the Facebook there. Exciting for this conversation. Thank you, Matthew, for the call-in. Uh, so uh, what motivated you want to write this book, and how many other books do you have?
0: Well, uh, this is actually uh, one of two full-length books I have, and I have a few other ebooks books that are out there. Um, both of the books that we published were uh, top new releases for uh, Kindle, and I was really proud of that. And It's been a really great uh, eight, nine months going on now since I ventured out and did this on my own after mm-hmm. you know, leaving 25, 30 years of uh, sales work for other people
1: behind. <laughs> there you go. So give us a 30,000 overview synopsis of the book uh, and that good stuff. Yeah, so really what it
0: comes down to is the deconstruction of old dogma old myths and uh, the way people have been selling for years and the markets are changing, people buy in different ways now. So we really have to take a look at what a dynamic sales team looks like and how to go about hiring one. Um, and Chris, you've had enough people on your show, you've been doing this long enough so you know that when it comes down to having great teams, it comes down to great organizational culture and that's mm-hmm. not the posters or the crap that you put up on your wall. That's actually what the people doing the work everyday They say it's like to work in a company. So we want to really take a hard look at what an organization really does value, what they make their decisions on and what the effect of those decisions are. And there's no judgment there. If you're if you're all about profit and high growth or relentless sales and skyrocketing your revenue. Excellent you just need to be able to have a sales team that can keep up with that and that, uh, and that you're going to have the support systems in place for them if you're more into a customer centric organization you want a more empathetic sales team what the book's really about though is identifying those things in the organization and then working through and finding those things within your sales uh, within your new hires new recruits and creating a sales culture that really supports the organization.
1: There you go. Culture is a really important foundation for a company, and you almost have to set it up from the very beginning, especially if you're an entrepreneur, or I suppose if you're an incoming CEO, you've got to you've got to either decide if you're keeping that culture or or laying it. Why why is that important in in your mind in your writings? Well,
0: mostly, I mean, let's face it, I mean, people these days, particularly as we come into new generations coming into the workplace, are just, I mean, they are at work to enjoy what they're doing every single day. They're not going to be there for 15, 20 years. They're not even going to be there for five years, right? So if culture is that important to why somebody's being attracted to the organization, we can have, there's plenty of literature, plenty of information out there that supports people who really enjoy the workplace, sell better. And if you're passionate about your product, the people that you're working with every day, you're going to have a more effective sales team. So when we take a look at the culture, we really have to identify, just like you said, that entrepreneur who started the company 10 years ago and is now going through maybe the second iteration, maybe the third iteration of where their organization is. Is it really the company now that they started out with? And are they really saying the right things? Are they really doing the right things for their organization to thrive? And that that really is what it comes down to.
1: There you go. So what you're saying is people are supposed to enjoy their jobs and their work. Work. Note to self, yeah. uh, take the chains down off the walls and quit the flogging of the employees. <laughs> it's uh it's a, a trade-off, right? <laughs> next week. Do that next week. Wait till next week. Always um, tomorrow. I'll start by the same the same
0: time we do that, right? <laughs> that's true, pretty
1: much. Yeah, there you go. Uh and and culture, it, it, how you set a tone for culture, uh, the environment of where people can uh talk about issues, mm-hmm. uh, ask questions. You know, uh, if you create a culture that people live in fear of being seen as making mistakes or not knowing what they're doing can be very damaging because if you don't have a culture that learns that can build, um, it can be, it'll just impact your company.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Having that type of exposure is important. And you, you, you have to be able to, you, know, you don't have to go so far as to say you have a safe space in your work environment, but you have to be able to uh, speak openly to your boss and be able to talk about the issues and problems, and not really be feel like you're going to be relentlessly judged for that. If you're having problems, you have to be able to bring it up and have um, people who are going to help you through that. And it really just does come down to support and how invested are people in being good servant leaders and how important um, it is to the prioritization again of the company to make sure that the people that they're working with um, are, are feeling supported and uh, that you're actually you know putting your money where your mouth is. You want to grow the company? Great. Do you have the best products for them? Do you have the best software out there? Um, are you does the marketing team have enough money to invest in really supporting great market qualified leads for the sales teams? That's really what it comes down to. And people want to feel heard. They want to feel supported.
1: There you go. We have a safe space in my office. What we did is we're up on the 4th uh, floor and we took a window and we put some labels on it that said safe space go through here. So, uh, yeah, that's yeah. not that's a joke people. We don't do that. Please don't call me HR. It's uh, I'm going to be in trouble again. Already. Well, that is it. your show. it's my show i'll do what i want and uh i'll go to jail for it or no i won't uh so anyway jokes people jokes people um somebody's gonna write me uh so uh (laughs) but it's okay i mean you want to save space Here you Chris, go.
0: That's, that's your culture, Chris. That's your audience and that's your culture. Again, it's it's okay to be who you are. It's yeah. just a matter of attracting yeah. people who are like you just for your, for your podcast, which is extremely successful and has yeah. an excellent audience. And there's other organizations which may not be the same. That's okay. My job is just to make sure that you have the best sales team, the best support out there to increase the revenue and give you what you need to do based on that, right? That's exactly what go. we're
1: talking about. There you go. Note to self, <laughs> Ted says quit terrorizing the employees, damn it. <laughs> Do that I am a fun week. guy, I swear. There you, go, there you go. So uh, one of the things you talk about in your book is a six-step sales hiring process that sets the foundation. The one thing I learned a long time ago is hiring, hiring, hiring is so important. If you hire the right people, if you take the time, that's the support people just don't hire the first person who walks in the door. Right. Uh, if right. you take the time, do multiple interviews, do your background checks and all that sort of good yeah. stuff. If you hire right, you will solve so many of the problems you have in after you hire people and, and problems and nightmares. I mean, uh, when we started hiring right and spending the time Oh my God! All the nightmares that we had with bad employees went through, went down. So, let, talk to us about this six-step hiring sales process. Yeah,
0: it's a you know hire slow, and I hate to say it, but fire fast. Uh, you, <laughs> you you know somebody's not a fit. that's what the they, windows for <laughs> back yeah. to the window. Yeah, you, I mean people know if they're not a fit, and you know if they're not going to be a fit for the organization, it's not going to work well. I mean, honestly, I mean that that's just something that's really important to look into. But most of this six step process, and the six-step process, I'm going to take your audience through all six steps now on a podcast but it really does come down to that that just just like what we're talking about there are steps in the deliberate process it is not just throwing something out on undeed or linkedin and uh you know putting out some blanket uh you know boilerplate res, uh, not resume excuse me um, job description and then you know just rifling through the 200 resumes that you're going to get out there and just calling a few that you like that is not what's going to build you a dynamic sales team or a high performing sales team people going out there right now and just like oh we're going to hire a whole bunch of SDRs and we're just going to hire all these business development reps or sales development reps and they're just going to get us great leads and bring in I was like that's not a strategy you know that's just throwing things against the wall and seeing what sticks and, and mm. frankly that's crap and it's only going to get you crap results in the long run. You might have a great quarter but nothing's going to work in the long run that way. So yeah. Chris, the six step process is really again, identification internally, take a good look, know thyself, right? Take a good look at yourself first or your organization, take a good hard look at where you're going to be able to find quality employees um, or quality sales reps go through there and then what does it look like in the behavioral interviewing process? Are you actually going through a process of behavioral interviewings where you're trying to find those traits that line up with the characteristics that you're company needs and then of course you know i i consider it part of the interviewing process but it's the post interview what the offer looks like what's the win-win for both companies and do not turn your back after the offer like you know there's tension on both sides of an offer so we talk about that as well as part of the process to make sure that it is a win-win and that everybody's heard and um and that you're putting your best foot forward in those first few weeks which it it matters so much for a new hire so that's part of the six-step process going yeah
1: No one wants to feel slighted and then take that into the workforce.
0: Um, I mean, you know how many times I've had people, I mean, high paying, you know, 200, $250,000 jobs and people are negotiating over a week pay, excuse me, a week vacation. I'm just kind of like, really? I mean, really? Like we're saying a week vacation, an extra week vacation is important to this person. You can't find it. Like that's just stupid and instead yeah. of thinking like that i mean it's just ridiculous like to lose great candidates and great people because they value their vacation time or their time with their family more than they do an extra comp bonus i mean you have to be flexible you have to understand that and make good offers that way that, that really hear both sides
1: yeah because people you know everyone's different they need a little bit of in-, in tweaking stuff to make sure, sure people are comfortable maybe they have a family or some other issues or uh, maybe they've taken care of a one that has health issues. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you got to be careful about the nickel and diming. And I suppose you got to balance the, the the other thing. How has sales changed? Because, you know, you're talking about modern hiring practices. You're talking about, uh, you know, there's a different environment to sales than when I grew up. Because when I grew up, you went you went and knocked on people's doors. And, yeah. you know, you met with buyers of big companies. And, you know, you would meet them personally. And, you know, you'd use phone calling and, and stuff like that and, and card. Databases. Do you remember yeah. the old index cards, the three by fives? Oh, yeah. Put them that in That was back. the era I grew like, up move,
0: on. Move forward, put them in the back, move yeah. forward. In fact, my mom
1: still has some of our old sales uh, things <laughs> from our companies, index mm-hmm. card boxes that she uses. Uh, <laughs> and you mentioned about, I think we mentioned in your bio, talking about CRMs and different things. Mm-hmm. How has things really changed and need to be updated with uh, people's mindset? Because some. You know, I'm still using three by five index cards.
0: That's okay. If it works, stick with it, right? Don't don't fix what's not broken. Um, but yeah. at the end of the day, though, there are absolutely uh there's there's just so many tools out there but we can also lose ourselves in our tools again like we talk about ai and things like that we mm. we talk about like right now the ability to generate leads is astronomical but that also has destroyed your email inbox it's also maybe never answer the phone and it's <laughs> all, it's also made it very hard to sift through all the chat that way right so it it just adds another layer of complexity to the sale um, with these technology platforms and with the removal of the barrier to, uh, to entry for so many people across the globe now we have other nations doing people's SDR work as I was bringing up earlier and all of a sudden we're just getting plastered with more and more information out there but uh, it's not quality so yeah, guys, yeah, yeah what, let's, let's lay yeah. a foundation on what SDR is for anybody I, I apologize. a sales development rep or a business development rep which is there you go Typically what I feel it should be is is that person who's really handling the low-bearing fruit or helping the sales team um, in their processes, helping reschedule people who were already on the counter may have dropped off, people who said they were really interested but were just having a hard time getting them back on the counter, things along those lines. But what it's come down to is just just people just you know blasting um as many dms out there as they can and crappy emails <laughs> with zero value to the client to try and get them on someone's calendar so we have to do a better job of that
1: um definitely and are we're poor building and qualifying for hell's sakes like actually, i get i get i get people that pitch me on like linkedin and stuff and they're like hey we we have steel manufacturing of of wheels for you and you're like how what in my bio on LinkedIn gave you the impression that I'm in some sort of steel manufacturing business, you know? Yeah.
0: I just got one this morning that said, hey, I'm a Harvard grad like you. I'm kind of like, "Mm, sorry, not a Harvard grad. (laughs) It wasn't that guy, right? But (laughs) Chris, it's kind of funny though, but it happens and it happens daily, right? Especially when you become a person of influence and more and more people are seeing your name out there. But really what this comes back to is that to answer your original question that that what's happening with the market that was changing, people are making their decisions on their own and good sales processes and good marketing processes are really putting out power. Probably 90, 95 percent of the content, 90, 95 percent of the solutions out there for their audience to have, to read, to process through, to go online and find or to download whatever it is to get to it. But really what's happening is the salesperson really is there to validate the answers that uh, a consumer has already come to on their own. So oh. there's so much data, there's so much information at their fingertips, getting that quality being the resource of the quality data, the quality information, and really the answers to the questions that they're looking for is, is much more of the process of sales was before it's not going and knocking on and I was made, you know, cut my teeth in the financial services industry, the medical industry, where just like you were saying, it was knocking on doors. It was going through the do not enter signs in the hospitals because you knew that's where the doctors were. <laughs> so that's what the job was.
1: You're standing next to the OR and the operating table going, hey, I've got my uh, sales book here. You want to look at it? He's like, I'm doing an appendix right now, yeah, buddy. I'm
0: a, I'm a little busy right now. He's like, you're already scrubbed in. You're ready to go, right?
1: <laughs> can I show yeah, you my new uh, scoping tools or whatever the hell they're called? The <laughs> suture tools and stuff?
0: Yes, yes, yeah.
1: <laughs> and um, I'm like, hey, we're, we're a little busy right now. And you're like, should I clean up right now or should I be in here? No, yeah, yeah. Got gonna... somebody else help me out There's with this? whole yeah. premise I can do here. It's, 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 sales has really become presenting the
0: content in a valuable way and of value to, and pre- presenting those solutions is of value to the client, and constantly being there as a resource. and And I think what's really changed that way, which is the irony again, it goes back to the getting away from like the uh, the, the people who are just inundating you with all these calls and developing much more of a transparent relationship, as is you are really there to help with the solutions to their pain points, the solutions to their problem. And I've always said everybody wants to go home earlier on a Friday and look great in front of their boss. And if you have a solution for that, they're going to come to you and that's really what we're trying to do
1: there you go and solutions are important so how hard is it to find good salespeople? i mean nowadays i mean in the old days you know we get paper resumes and stuff sent to us yeah, yeah. uh and you know calls and interviews uh, but now if you you know you put something online you're getting like five billion people sending you stuff how hard is it to filter for people that can actually sell I mean, you know, I, I come from, you know, one of my early jobs was the car business. And so you learn in the car business. I used to joke with my vice president. I'm like, I wish we had enough money where I could send people to what well, we did. But the problem was, is whether or not we would maintain the investment long term, but send people to a three month boot camp at a used car sales lot and you will <laughs> learn sales like nowhere else on the planet. Uh, from a used car sales lot uh, you'll you you'll actually learn a lot more you'll learn, learn a lot of interesting things so it used to always be funny i would go over the used car sales lot and some uh police officer would be just you know as a lunch break driving through the lot looking at cars or something and, like all the guys run to the back you know that have uh, outstanding child support and, and stuff um <laughs> I, w- I was never here you know, and it wasn't like, it. it wasn't me it <laughs> wasn't me um so there you go it was always fun to watch um but uh, uh you learn a lot and 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 I would I would have people that would have college degrees in sales which i don't know how you really do but I guess you can learn in the book um but they would come they would come work for us and they couldn't sell their way at a paper bag yeah and yeah. yet the the hardcore those old those old uh you know cocaine snorting smoking sales guys were you know <laughs> They were the guys who were, were ready at, to go. Right? always at the golf course with the with Crown Royal and, and their clients and making all the money and driving around. And you're like, where are you right now? And they're like, I'm in a limo with a client a couple of hookers. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that, people. But uh, how do you find good salespeople now? Yeah, it it it's difficult. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. But they are
0: out there, of course. And I don't think the good salespeople have gotten lost. I just think they're a little bit harder to find. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, and they're, they're harder to find, I think, because there are so many poor performers out there or charlatans, really. Um, people people pretending a lot more, um, to so to speak. And uh, you know, so it's funny because we've gotten our way from actually selling and listening to clients and listening to customers and actually having good communications like good communications, and good oh. connections with people. People. and we've gotten into like influencers and you know how great do I look and, and what am I doing and that has its place don't get me wrong it certainly is important to be somebody of value and to be an influencer in your market but that seems to be the trend in sales when really you got to reverse that script and go back to what does the client need? What does the client want? How am I here for the client? And you have to have a little bit of empathy, you know, for when, when you're out of crown Royal, you have to have a little bit of compassion for the client because sure. you know, sure. you're going to go out there. So it really does come down to, to that type of work. And I mean, honestly, just as you said, the, the resumes and the electronic processing of any type of applications to find people is next to impossible, but uh, you know, it's still out there, human connections and great referrals. And uh, I think for a while there, the pen- well, thank goodness, the pendulum shifting back though, for a while there, we got away from even being able to legally ask for referrals. It was as if you couldn't ask a previous employer or a previous connection with somebody, what they were like to work with, because you know mm-hmm. the attorneys are all up in arms and that could be something like a defamation lawsuit. Which is yeah. ridiculous, um, but honestly, yeah, yeah, I mean, I can't I again. What, what's the guy? I keep coming up with stories, stories again and again and again. I, I ask people, I'm like, did you did you ask for the references and did you actually call them? Literally, one out of five times, somebody's actually calling old. References. Yeah.
1: No one calls the references. That's been that way for decades, man. It's, it's
0: insane. Like, that, there's no way in funny. hell I would hire somebody without calling a reference. And it necessarily doesn't have to be a previous employer either, but you've got to be able to have some type of check as to who <clears throat> this person is actually going to put on paper to speak for them. And that's going to be a really good indicator of how well that person can perform and speak and, and, and what they really are like. Yeah,
1: it's amazing. Uh, you know, we used to have people that would just give us resumes where, they clearly put their whole family in the references. And I'm like, did you work for any of these people? Yeah. Or or did your mom have a company? But, you know, um, like, like I'm going to call your mom, and she's going to tell me how bad of an employee you were. Come on, man. It's your mom. I yeah. mean, she might. I mean, yeah. who knows? Well, she's honest, uh, right? <laughs> if she's really honest, you know, it could be the toughest critic out there. Yeah, but a lot really, of a, she, a lot of times, yeah. you know, look, if you
0: can't call the old boss because there might be something like that you left the organization, or there again, there might be a situation where you do feel that there's like some legal things in there. You find out who the people like who worked for you before. If you're going to sales yeah. leadership, I want to talk to the people that you hired and that you promoted. I want to leave, I want to hear from them about what it was like to work for you, and uh, you know what your skill sets were, what you brought to the table, and how you helped them, um, you know, backfill. <laughs> you as you left the organization
1: there you go one of the things that we identified in our um in our interview process is we took it from one interview to four three to four Mm -hmm. so if they're really good we'd go with three if we really were trying to flush them out we'd do four and the one thing we found that was interesting is people get really freaking comfortable especially after interview two like at three, they they're they're showing up in shorts and un- their underwear, and they haven't showered for a couple of days, and they're throwing their feet up on the recruiter's table, yeah. And yeah. they're telling us about um all their prison time and the rest, and they're just <laughs> they just they'll just tell you everything on on interview yeah. three or four, and. Great. Three's the magic number, Chris. You're not. Is you're 100 right with that. It? Yeah. Anything
0: after that, it's just going to be. Yeah. Bad.
1: They just they think they got it in the can at that point, and they're just letting it all hang out. And you're just you you know, they're like, hey, you want to see a skeleton closet? Watch this. Yeah. Then, like, all the skeletons fall, and you're like, wow, that's a lot of dead bodies, there, buddy. We'll call you next week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't call us. We'll call you. <laughs> and the other thing that I found was telling my uh, interviewers interviewees interviewers uh it's been a long day um to is it monday no it's tuesday see that's what kind of day i'm in but uh and i 55 the brain's gone Alzheimer's kicking in um so the uh i'm going full diehard uh if i can stop segueing too um so anyway uh the uh the thing i found was getting my interviewers to shut the f up mm, yeah. like I would have, I would find people, and I, I was guilty of this too. So mm-hmm. I'd always have to watch it, but over, spending nine, you know, the majority of the time trying to sell them on, on who they were, who we were, and what we yeah. were doing. Yeah. That's- instead of shutting up. And the one thing I learned is if you shut up in an interview, mm-hmm. people will talk. Oh, yeah. you just let them talk and stay shut up. If they got some bad juju or some, you know, cause a full of skeletons. It'll come out, they'll eventually tell you.
0: There's a there's a really, really effective tool and effective power to silence when you ask a question and you and you really do buy into the next person that speaks loses. And uh-huh know, yeah, there, yeah. there, there's some poignant questions that you can get into, particularly on an inter- interview if you're trying to sniff some things out there, if you don't feel, if, if you feel that there might be like a little bit of a surface level response, when you're trying to dig a little bit deeper through that process in the behavioral interviewing process for sure. But it comes down to, the, like I, I've mentioned this before, the one-third, two-thirds rule is, is something great that I learned as an officer in the military as far as military planning, but it also works as far as interviews goes. You're talking one-third of the time, they're talking two-thirds of the time and uh, asking questions and uh, you're not trying to sell your company to somebody if you're trying to pitch yourself or convince somebody this is a great place to work then you probably have the wrong person in front of you they should be the ones fired up and excited to come and need to sell themselves so just remember you're not when you're interviewing it's hard for a salesperson to remember that they're not selling their product anymore right and that's Mm. probably it chris you know it's like when you're interviewing somebody else they're the product
1: they're selling you and you're in the buying end and 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 you make and you make a great point. They're showing you how well they can sell themselves because yeah. that's really what great salespeople do. They sell themselves first, they build rapport first. People buy from people they like. Yeah. You know, they they'll even buy from companies they don't like if, if they like the salesman. You know, I've, I've been in lots of experience where I'm like, I really hate this company. I think they're stupid, but I'll meet a great salesman. And the salesman's like, you know, really cool. And you're like, you buy from him. People buy from people they like. And so, yeah, letting them, seeing them sell and, uh, how they sell themselves, but also being quiet. Like, and I always go, I don't know if this is in your book, but I always go through the resume, through the dates and confirm Mm -hmm. them. And it's amazing how many people have just made up stuff or they've, they've fluffed over dates like several times I've caught people on their dates and I'll be like, so you were at uh, IBM from 1989 to 85. Um, no, I wasn't. And you're like, that's am, I, am I smoking here. the crack today? <laughs> um, you know, and that's, that's only on weekends. Um, but, uh, everyone in the audience is like, he's a really fat crack smoker. Um, which is which is really weird. Uh, that's an already laying joke. Uh, but, uh, basically, um, I would identify things. And there was two times where I found someone's prison time because they openly admitted to me that, um, that the dates, on <laughs> the resume were wrong. They lied on them. And then I was like, so when we finally established that the dates they lied about were wrong, I'm like, so what were you doing during those three yeah. years between your resume? And they argued yeah. with me back and forth and it became obvious they were hiding something Finally, I'm like, dude, you got to quit bullshit me. This is your yeah. fucking resume. Yeah. You know, you 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 handed this to me. I I didn't write it, and uh, I always love when they go, "Hey, can I? Well, can I see that resume?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, "No, you wrote this." <laughs> I'm not reminding <laughs> you what you lied about. Yep. Uh, for-
0: it's funny you're bringing up these things about prison time. And that's, that's interesting. And I, I, I have the privilege of not being able to hire too many people that I've been through that. With. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you know, what you can find gaps on, and this is actually a shame, I think. And I'm glad again, the that, that things are changing around with this. People used to fear a gap that to have a gap in the resume like oh that, that would be seen like I was out of work or something like that. You know where that's bad though is in women who are out of the workplace and they stay at home with their children for a little while oh, yeah. and there's a lot of companies who would be like, oh, what is this you know two to three year gap in here And she's like, well I was, I was raising my children you know, mm-hmm. and I'm coming back into the workplace or something on those lines. And, and I was just speaking to somebody about two or three days ago about that. And just like how they were, they were afraid to leave that gap in a resume. I was like, you yeah, know, what, you know, that where that is, there, you know, where that that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. go out there and tell them that was a decision you made and mm-hmm. that's okay. And it's not, again, there's no, should be no judgment around that. But the fact of the matter is you're back in the workplace now. But I do love mm-hmm. the resumes that have those types of gaps in it or, or those discrepancies when you were going through and, uh, you know, uh, is uh, the, doing your, doing a little bit of uh, extra, um, you know, uh, uh, doing a little bit of extra, I guess, like digging is a good way to go about that. As far there as, you like, go. To find this I mean,
1: area, so. raising kids is a job in and of itself for it's both men it. and women. Um, it, it, you know, I've had I've had people put on the resume. I was I was being a stay at home mom or doing a mom boss thing or, you know, some sort of parenting thing. I know a lot of parents are still trying to get out of the hole from COVID, yeah. where um one of them had to start staying home with the kids because I mean, if you've seen the cost of of uh, of you know whatever it's called the the, the childcare stuff, yeah. I mean, it's incredible. It's more yeah. than some people's yearly wage or monthly no, there's, wage. There's
0: plenty of people that are weighing the pros and cons. It's like, do I go yeah. back to work when I'm really not working no. for anything? Just like, is it worth being out of the house and building building up again when yeah. you're, you're taking the vast, vast majority of the money for childcare?
1: Yeah, it's, and one of one of your spouses is basically just all their money they, they work for every day goes to the the yeah. child care bill. And There's so no doubt that, happened. you know, at that point, somebody's logically just got to stay home, but you know, they have good skills. They have good, uh, abilities, you know, uh, and how to utilize things. Um, do you, do you find that, uh, uh, you, you talk about some of the different other ways to conduct effective interviews, uh, yeah. and behavioral, Interviewing yeah. techniques. And I think that's really important uh in, in helping predict future performance. Yeah. Do you want to tease out some of that in your uh onboarding program?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, a lot of it has to do with like really going through and finding out, um, I, I do something I call like the spiraling technique, um, which I think is really important to talk to people, which is essentially if you think about, you know, you're starting at one place and you're asking different questions around the resume, but then you're going to be back again, you're going to dig a little bit deeper. And so you're going to spiral around and keep coming back around again and again and again. Um, I think that's a really effective way to learn more about whether or not people are giving you surface answers, have actually thought through some answers um, and actually really have some depth the responses as far as that goes, the behavioral interview process, which is important. And you're also looking for, and this is part of the, again, part of the six step process is going through and finding out the corporate traits that you wanna have, but you already have written down what are the characteristics that you want that support those traits. Uh If you're a company that uh, is all about innovation, you better have somebody who can handle change (laughs) and you better have somebody who can you know adapt quickly, right? So those things need to be written down beforehand and you're looking for that and you're asking the appropriate questions to find out if they have those characteristics and traits. Um, And the other thing, I mean, just to tease out a few things in here, we always talk about, I'm a big fan of the star uh, format, the situation, task, action, and result. Um, So you can talk to people about that and that should be part of their responses or even part of like your questions can be based around that. So star format, situation, uh, task, action result what was the situation what was a task at hand what did you do to fix the situation and what was the result at the end there um again just a good format to go through and to think through are you are you speaking with somebody who can actually follow a, a decent process and think through their answers um good 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 ways to go about it not just as we're like you know, winging conversations here it should be a thought through process
1: there you go i just learned something new the star method awesome go. sauce I just Googled them. um <laughs> this is why we do the show I, I you know sometimes i learn more than my audience i wonder sometimes. We're going to have a test later for the audience. so uh, you, you called better. me a genius when I came on. I thought I had to live up to it a little bit for crying out loud. You're doing a great job. You're doing a great job, and I'm failing for myself miserably. Uh, so there you go. Um, there was a question I had for you. You, Oh, yeah. You called uh, in your in your title of your book, hiring mm-hmm. dynamic sales yeah. teams. What's the difference between a dynamic sales teams and a uh, whatever the opposite of dynamic is? I should have Googled that. Well, I mean, it
0: really comes down to... Uh, Organizations that can continue to adjust and, and maintain their sales velocity, um, and that, uh, you know, they, they work through meaningful KPIs to they, that are actually applicable to sales. Um, you have a lot of sales teams which are great for a little while, but they become stagnant and dead. You know, a, a dynamic team is continuously continuously adjusting, they're adapting, they're adapting to their markets, they're uh, adapting to their product changes as new product releases come out, and they're always continuing their velocity. I'm a big fan of of energy, you you talk about potential energy, which is a great potential salesperson, but Mm -hmm. that person can't get out there and make it kinetic, then they're worthless, right? So we got to keep our velocity, we got to keep our momentum going through all the ups and downs through all the buying cycles. And uh, we have to be able to address that as an excellent sales leader and a good strategic plan addresses those types of things to maintain that velocity and that predictable income and predictable revenue for the organization.
1: There you go. You want a learning growing organization that can adjust. There's nothing worse than stick in the mud. Uh, Salespeople are like, what's the new thing we got to do today. (laughs) And and there's so much changes now, especially with AI and stuff. What are you seeing in the world of AI that maybe is going to impact both hiring and sales teams and building a culture?
0: lead generation i mean second yeah. to none on the information i can find out on a human being is is absolutely frightening and the speed that we can do that is it's true it is 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 pretty scary um the amount, of, like they, uh, I've read about, and I don't know much about, like going too much further than this. But you know, you can talk about data, and they say that data is like th- uh, as valuable as oil is right now in the, in the world and the globe. And that really comes down to people data too. And uh, I mean, you yeah, know, you know as well as I do, it can get a little bit frightening out there as to everything that Facebook knows, everything that you know that, that they're pulling out of your Instagram, all your accounts. I won't even talk about TikTok right now, um, but it, it's there. People know it. People can have influence in it, and people can people can. Buy it, um and if they're not buying it, maybe their government's taking it away and <laughs> sure. using it themselves. It's it's frightening, and uh, be aware of it, right? But mm-hmm. I also want as people, it's like were so up their eyeballs and i wouldn't even know the way out of it mm-hmm. where i'm getting at with that though is chris is that, is that your um buying patterns and the and are known and the removing the barriers to entry what used to be you know hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars of access for large corporations and big businesses now coming down to the small business owner and um they're going to be able to leverage that which is you know it can be a good thing um for the small business owner for sure but i see that as being the most immediate impact and the most readily available asset any small business owners um, fingertips right now is leveraging the ai that, that's right there for them as far as their buyer personas and as far as what their clients are currently doing and um and, and what they're what they're what they're googling what they're looking for and what their needs are it's all at your fingertips right now
1: there you go well said and to me that's a real great asset because, you know, I can look at someone's LinkedIn and, you know, I mean, when I used to go into an office back in the old days, and maybe you were the same, but, you know, you go into your buyer's office and, you know, he's got his, he's got a picture of maybe wife and kids or him sport fishing with a fish or, you know, yeah. whatever his thing is. And, you know, hopefully you've done a little research, but you, you just kind of have to go off the fly what you see yeah. in the room and you'd be like, hey, uh, you love the fish, man. That's awesome. I love fishing too. and you know whatever you gotta, you gotta, you theme, right <laughs> yeah. you yeah. ask about the wife and kids everyone likes most people like talk about their wife and kids uh unless they're in divorce court uh but you know so they're you know hey, oh how long you've been married you know and stuff and so you'd have these tools that you could use to build rapport the worst thing was as if there was nothing in that office and you know he was some i don't know yeah. some nihilist yeah. or something uh but uh uh, now you can do that on LinkedIn. So I can go see what you're talking about on LinkedIn, uh, your posts. And, uh, you know, I can see like a picture of you and different background things, you know, Mike Wallace, uh, techniques is one of the things that I learned from where, when, when I meet people, you know, you look at the background, you ask them about what's it because usually, especially with like podcasts, it's, it's really, it, they feature stuff, that's really important to them, yeah. you know, for you, it's your brick wall it's behind you (laughs) uh it's a tapestry evidently we established before the show um but uh but you really like brick damn it and so god bless you because most people are gone for veneer at this point from the 70s um which i grew up with the panel the panel look which you know still hot bring it back it's probably retro as a new market for. yeah do you have shag underneath the brick there anyway i would never tell you if i did (laughs) <laughs> oh boy, wow, We went there. I don't know what that means. Um, so uh, but the, but the point really is, is is hiring better, building culture, and I suppose hiring for culture is really important as well, because you've got to make sure that those people are culture fit. And uh, one warning I would give to people, if you know a salesperson who loves a royal crown, don't hire. Anyway, that's my opinion. And I'm sticking to it because got to be careful, right? I've seen, I don't know what it is about those alcoholics, but uh, the Royal Crown. But uh, if you do, God bless you. But get help. Um, but how important is it to hire for culture? And, and 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 I guess your book probably teaches us how to make sure those fits work.
0: Yeah, it, it is. I mean, look, organizations change and organizations themselves are dynamic. So so even if you have somebody who's a fit one year, five years from now, they may not be a fit and, mm-hmm. and that's okay. That's just everything's a living and growing organization. Um, but the idea is, is to do the best with the tools that you have at the time you have them. So you do... I mean, you can get, they say, 30 to 40% more uh, profitability and more sales from people who enjoy the workplace and Mm -hmm. enjoy where they're working as far as the culture and that feel supported. Um, When you're working with people, um, the top top performing and high performing salespeople produce two and a half times that of an average or below average salesperson. So when you start to do that type of mathematics and that type of like exponential growth that can come from this high performing sales team, you really are looking at multiples on multiples of, of, revenue generation for the organization that being said it is a long process to deconstruct old sales processes and old sales dogma and uh, you do sometimes have to eliminate the 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 bottom of an organization to make room for the new the new people coming in or the crown royal people with well, the Crown Royal people, if they're out there, you know. So and when the you take a look, dudes. At the top performers, they they may have been fifteen or twenty years ago, uh, you know. But then Crown kicked in, yeah. and now they're not anymore.
1: Yeah, you're
0: going to get in a lot of trouble with this one with Crown.
1: HR told HRs told me you can't snort the eight balls off the desk anymore.
0: No, so. you're not supposed to be doing that anymore. There's no drugs in the workplace. As yeah, as
1: the copier works better not for it. that because it's clear and has that smooth surface. <laughs> but yeah,
0: they're, those are definitely definitely. Can
1: you tell now. I worked in sales in the eighties. Yeah, That's,
0: yeah I, I I can I can for sure. And you know, put yeah. the coffee down. Coffee's for closers. For sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we did all that. Like that pen thing. Everyone's like, the Wolf of Wall Street does this pen thing on sales. Man, that was being done way before Wolf of Wall Street. That was done, oh. you know, in the eighties and seventies. We that throw a pen to people and be like, "Sell me this pen." Yeah, you know. You and bet. then it was pretty much the Glengarry Glenn Ross of of the things. And I knew a lot of guys who were the Al Pacinos of of that movie and oh, yeah. and the then the ball wins. Uh,
0: it goes back to your index
1: cards, right? These are oh, yeah. the good leads. I want the good leads. Yeah. <laughs> I was like twenty years old watching Glengarry Glenn Ross, the you know, they'll always be closing and you know the, yeah. the brass balls out of the box. Uh that's right. And that's they're like, right. you gotta you always gotta be closing. And I'm like, okay, we'll we'll do some closing. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot of things have changed with electronics, but to me it, it seems a whole lot easier because you can background check your buyers. You can get to know your buyers better. It's easier to gain rapport if you utilize that. And people, please start using rapport building first. It has to be authentic. Take me to to dinner before you try and seal the date. Um,
0: (laughs) It's one of the things that I can't stand is when people look at my LinkedIn profile and they come in and they assume four or five things automatically out of the gate. You have to be real careful with that. I mean, like you, mm-hmm. know, you can take the facts, you can take the facts at hands, but it comes back to the questions we talked about earlier, Chris. is like it would be much better to go to my what you can find on social media, you can see on Facebook, you can go to my website and see all these different things. But ask questions and validate what your assumptions yeah. are before you go in. Cause you come in and you start like hardballing all these great things and how connected we are and how alike we are, but you miss two or three times, it's kind of like it's annoying, you know, and now, all of a sudden now you have an annoyed salesperson <laughs> Excuse me, an annoyed customer instead, so yeah, yeah like
1: what know? we talked yeah. about earlier with uh you know uh people you know, hey do you want to buy some metallurgy stuff and yeah, things exactly.
0: like, no, you know, no. you're like yeah. i'm not I'm not in that
1: business I don't know I don't yeah. know what you are, and the other thing I use in LinkedIn is is I see their posts yeah. so I'm like, what are you talking about what's going on what's your shtick? What's, what's your brand? To them? Yeah. And what's important disagree. to them. And so, mm-hmm. uh, Tell us what this fractional business is going on. Everyone's a fractional this, that, or the other. I think I'm a fractional CEO, but that's because I, I just flake out on my duties half the time and play video games. So is that, <laughs> that what that means? Good. Or what's this new fractional thing everyone's talking
0: well, about? Well, it, it may mean that for some people, and I'm not going to judge anyone for sure. Whatever's working for them <laughs> is fine. But uh, the fractional work really comes down to being able to get like excellent talent and being able to come in in a different role than a consultant is the way I really see it. And what I, I tell go. people is that whereas a consultant's going to come in and perhaps give you an evaluation and a plan and then hand it back to you and say, go ahead and execute. When you talk about a fractional revenue officer or a fractional chief marketing officer, you're coming in, you're assessing, you're building that plan, but you're going to be responsible for the results to the term. Typically you don't have consultants who are engaged with an organization more than a year or 18 months. A fractional revenue they are coming in, they're giving you a specific amount of time or a commitment to, to time. And that is, and they're going to be able to produce, um, you know, X amount of project for you, uh, if it's a CMO, if it's a, like, again, if it's a CRO in my role, I wanna be able to take on like a new product launch or take on the re- evaluation and rebuilding of the sales team, do that type of work with you for a certain amount of time and, and hit certain benchmarks along the way. And, and again, be held accountable and responsible for the results just as a salesperson should be as well. So mm-hmm. I think that's the big difference between fractional work and consulting work. It's not, just, uh, it's not just handing a plan and handing an idea out there. It's a template. It's go. really getting into and being involved with and uh, learning the culture, learning the people, and, and, and working well with them.
1: There you go. Uh, should we get a plug-in for your prior book, Dynamic Sales Sh- Strategy? Yeah, I mean, again,
0: dynamic sales strategy came out in uh, January, February of this year. Uh, don't hold me to the resume date that I put down on that, but I beginning it was definitely the beginning first quarter of the year. Um, but the, the, the idea of dynamic sales strategies is um, something <clears throat> we build off of for hiring dynamic sales teams. But it is. It, it's about assessing your current organization, taking a look at the complete revenue cycle, not just what you're doing with your marketing team, not just how marketing is transitioning those leads to sales, but what's happening post-sale. What are you doing to maintain? Retain your clients. You know it can cost anywhere from three to seven times uh, more to get a new client than it does to retain a client. Mm-hmm. But your customers are always—they're not always. Typically, we forget about them in their revenue cycle. And um, a lot of times, with most companies and most products, are making more money in years two, three, four, and five that they have from. Uh, a current customer than they are in the initial sale when they bring them in. But we do a really piss poor job of managing that. And we don't have the right people managing that through the complete revenue cycle. So dynamic sales strategies is really around looking at the complete revenue cycle and making sure that we're always upselling and continuously building those relationships with the client and being a value to them.
1: There you go. It was out February 14th, 2023. Dynamic Sales Strategy, a leader's guide. I love leaders. A leader's guide to maximizing profitable opportunities in today's fast paced market well this has been really insightful ted any final thoughts as we go out no i really appreciate the time together it's been a lot of fun and uh, i i do appreciate it
0: i'm just looking forward to to getting out there with people and helping them uh, you know bring their sales organizations not only to 2023 but where it's going to need to be in 2025 and forward too because times are changing and you've got to get ahead of the curve if you want to beat your competition for sure
1: Especially with AI. What's the way people can reach out and work with you and uh, talk to you about uh, doing some business other than just buying the book?
0: Yeah, you bet. Now, I'd recommend looking me up on the website. You can get all hold of me at www.dynamicsalesteens.com or look at my LinkedIn profile, Ted Fluck, on LinkedIn. You can find me there, too. And Either one of those ways, you can DM me, and uh, we'll get together, and I look forward to having a chat.
1: There you go. Uh, so thank you very much, Ted, for coming on the uh, show. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you for having me. There you go. Lots of fun. Uh, Order the book wherever fine books are sold, but stay away those dirty alleyway bookstores because uh, the books are kind of raggedy there. You might need a tetanus shot. Order it up. uh, Transforming Your Sales Strategy, Hiring Dynamic Sales Teams, Building a High-Performing Sales Team Through Cultural Alignment and Modern Hiring Practices out June 30th, 2023 by Theodore luck uh thanks for, my for tuning in go to goodreads.com for just christmas linkedin.com for just christmas youtube.com for just Chris Voss, uh and uh tiktok at Chris Voss one thanks for marshall ted great to hear some of the points you raised thanks for chiming in there marshall as we go out thanks for tuning into my audience be good to each other stay safe and we'll see you guys next time there you go fun is fun i think that's-